Hi, everyone. Welcome to part two of our conversation with Dr. Franklin Chang Diaz, astronaut and rocket company founder, and Miranda Chang, the rocket company's global communications director and Franklin's daughter. If you haven't yet seen part one, there should be a link in the description of this episode where you can check it out. So please, let's jump right back in. Look, I say this often, one of the great joys that I have doing the Lunaverse podcast is I get to work with my child. Um, hey. <laughs> that's you, Alan. That's, that's right. me. Uh, uh, now, Franklin, how about you? I mean, th this must be so uh, nice. I mean, talked a little bit about that, the, the, the family aspect of, yeah, of what you're doing. Actually, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. It's very important to me. Um, I, I, you know, Miranda is also a little humble in what she says. Um, you know, she is uh, really a, much more than just a communications uh, director. I mean, she is, um, you know, she's a, a really good strategic thinker and, and advisor. I mean, you know, she's, she comes here at the end of the day, just about every day and tells me, you know, you should be doing this in a different way and uh, <laughs> other way. But I have to say, you know, with with a tremendous level of um, you know logic and 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 it's as if she's been doing she's been doing has been doing this for a long time. Pretty awesome. Oh no, this is this is so wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, a lot of times, especially in fictionalized things, there's always like arguments and backbiting and, and, you know, people are like, you know, in space, they have to argue about things all the time, but, but that's not, that's not the case. It's clearly, uh, well, it we do so argue, happy. you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of a healthy dynamic <laughs> because it is, a, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a healthy argument that um, sometimes, um, you know, uh, she's, she's uh, right. And sometimes I'm right. And, and um, I think we, we, we kind of, feed on each other's uh, ideas mm -hmm. you know? and I'm, I'm glad to see this um, i'm getting old <laughs> and and um, it's good for me to see the youth you know coming through and i, I wish they were more like her around well in that i completely agree with you franklin uh the young are going to the young folks now are the people that are going to save us from yeah. ourselves to okay. solve the problems <laughs> that, that we old farts haven't been able to. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really true for the future. Okay, um, let's get another question in. Uh, what, what a great opportunity to, to launch into another one. What, what do we got? Yeah, so in terms of like solving potential future problems, um, this could be cool. So this is a question from Ebony who is asking, um, do you believe that traveling to space can find ways to fix the problem with climate change? Oh, oh, well, tell us about this. Either one of you take that one. Okay. Well, I, let me tell you my, my two cents. Um, I mean, I, I just think that we would not be aware of climate change if we had not been exploring space. I mean, oh, for sure. In yeah. many ways, I mean, Venus and Mars, for example, are yeah, what we astronomers ways, are always pointing to. Yeah. So that so so right off the bat, you know, climate change as as an kind of an ill of of the whole planet uh, has come, you know, to be 
something that we understand because of the space program. Now, um, we, we have to realize that sooner or later, the, the Earth as an entity, you know, as, a, as a planet, will not be able to um, support uh, a population that gets to be, you know, more than 10 billion people, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing a lot of the ills of that uh, beginning to manifest in the form of, um, you know, unrest, war, uh, very big migrations uh, taking place on the planet, um, and and the contamination of our environment. You know, everywhere you look, you see the you know the ravages that we have caused to our our own ecosystem. And I think of um, the Earth as a spacecraft, and I tell people that you know we 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 are all astronauts, yeah. And this uh, this uh, spacecraft, um, the, the the life support system, which is the most important system in any spacecraft, you know, astronauts will tell you that mm. uh, the life support system is is uh, needs is in need of a great deal of maintenance and repair. And wow. we have not are not paying attention to this, and I, I worry that uh, we are going to damage the environment to the point that that the Earth, uh, the civil, our civilization, will not be healthy enough to explore space, and wow. then we will be doomed. So wow. So that's that. Those are the kinds of things that I worry about, um, and and so yes, I mean climate change is is one thing um but there's also the contamination of the of, of the environment mm-hmm. I, I tell people that for you know thousands of years you know humans have treated the environment as a bottomless pit <laughs> and and, and we, yeah. we we have now discovered that uh, the pit has a bottom and mm-hmm. that uh, it, it is it is actually overflowing and we have been, oh we have become confronted with our own waste for the first time. Wow! So uh, it's a very sobering, you know, uh, yeah. thought. So, so does it, does Ad Astra do uh, climate things, uh, environmental things? Well, we have an activity going on in Costa Rica, which is my country of birth. Wow! Um, where Ad Astra is trying to um, transition the country to a hydrogen economy to a green hydrogen and so we have an ecosystem already working there where we generate uh, hydrogen uh, from water electrolysis and using solar and wind energy and we have a fleet of vehicles that that we use and in fact the car that i drive in costa rica is a fuel cell electric hydrogen car wow that's cool we make our own hydrogen and we're just getting wow. now a fleet of uh, a fleet of, of um, fuel cell electric buses, which are going to be uh, serving the, the 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 region. So we're 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 trying to do our bit to to decarbonize the economy of of the planet. Yeah, I think that's amazing, especially when thinking that when we think of rockets and launches and the hydrazine and all the material and all the, you know, the huge amounts of exhaust that go everywhere, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, rocket science is, is very unenvironmental. But you are talking about a way to make it environmental, 
right? Which is yeah. really wonderful. And Miranda, I'll bet you're telling stories about that as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what we're working on for, for space is, um, you know, an engine that's extremely fuel efficient that works in space. And uh, so it's not, it's not really in the same realm of launching. Um, we do need to be launched into space, but the engine itself, we theorize, will have, you know, a 13-year lifespan or something. Oh, that's space. great. So, wow. Yeah. So it's not needed to, to have all these constant launches. Imagine, you know, if we have a moon base and we need to go to the moon constantly to, to supply resources. And every time you went, it was this giant launch, you know, yeah. million, millions of dollars and lots of burning of fuel and it's just, you know, not great. So yeah. we're trying to offer some some ways to, to change the economy of space to be more sustainable. And then as well on Earth, well, you know, we want to do our part on Earth as well. And um, Costa Rica is a really interesting place to start because the country's uh, electric grid is already almost 100% renewable. Really? So anytime... Yeah, if you go there for a visit and you plug in your phone to charge it, you're using renewable energy most likely. That's great. Um, Costa Rica is awesome. Holy moly. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So because it has that base, um, it's a very interesting uh, testing environment to be doing these um, uh, different kinds of decarbonization projects. And and the hydrogen one is really exciting and uh, we're hoping we'll expand it. And then what it does is it shows other countries uh, within the region that also have pretty clean um, electric grids, but they import a lot of oil for transportation um, and they have to import the oil. So they have to pay for that Uh, kind of shows them how they could move towards being greener and also being more energy uh, independent. So that's kind of our our goal there. very exciting stuff. Yeah, that's um, great. We definitely so so for a place like Costa Rica, hydrogen cars are actually better than these electric charged battery cars that that are on the American roads these days. Well, um, they both can live, and they 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 both have a, a place. Um, Costa Rica is very small; it's a very small country, so a small battery electric. So the, the, the you know both both hydrogen vehicles and battery vehicles they're they're, they're both electric. You yeah. Know, the fuel cell, we call it fuel cell electric, and then battery electric. But they're both electric. So in the case of the battery electric, um, you know, you, you have a limited range, and it takes, mm. uh, you know, hours to, to charge. And um, we are looking at the niche for hydrogen to be in the, in the heavy-duty transportation, you know, the truck. know, trucks and stuff. Because you don't have to charge them for a day, right? <laughs> Exactly, the trucks and the long-range buses and the trains and, 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 and even the ships and now the airplanes as well. So, you know, there's a okay. whole transportation, um, you know, uh, population of vehicles that, uh, that, that the batteries are, are not really the optimal, the, the optimal approach. Simply nice. because, it, it, you know, the batteries just cannot store enough energy to, and they're too heavy. But for small, small vehicles, short distances, they're mm-hmm. perfectly good. I mean, uh, yeah, fair. They, a golf cart, for example. Yes. No, but even even, even like a, the compact car type thing. Even a small no. sedan that uh, today you know you can charge um, in half an hour or so. Mm, yeah. Give you maybe 200, 200 miles of range. I mean, for Costa Rica, that's that's plenty. 
Okay. Um, but but for a truck that doesn't work. Nice. Uh, okay. Truck doesn't work. So so there's so there's room for lots of different technologies. Oh, I think yeah. that's great. So, and they're both electric. So they you know they're, they're both electric. That's cool. So so what took you, Franklin, from flying in space and dreaming of being an astronaut to to doing environmental things like this, to designing uh, a, a Vasimir engines, you know, the, the next diesel engine in the universe, you know, uh, that, uh, yeah. electric diesel, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's that path like? I mean, you, well, you know, was saying, yeah, everything was kind of combining together even for a long period of time before you went up into space or something. It's all sort of, yeah, it's all, all sort of combined together. I mean, to me, um, I came back from space with a, a tremendous awareness of the urgency of our em- environmental problem. So, you know, you, you have to, you just cannot help it, but you have to do something about it. I mean, astronauts become environmentalists almost automatically as soon as they, really? space, it's just wow. almost it's a, it's a, it's a transformation is what they call that. They call it the overview effect. It's you get to see how the the planet as a whole is is really threatened. They say that um, you know the planet is is very fragile, but but it's the planet is not fragile. It's it's us who are fragile. Oh, you know, the planet would be just as happy with without us. I mean, we oh. you know <laughs> the Earth the Earth doesn't yeah. care whether we're here or not, but we do. Yeah. Spent a few oh. billion years without us. <laughs> that's I mean, true. You know that the, there is that conversation that's happening now, almost science fictiony, called the Medea hypothesis, um, which is sort of the opposite of the Gaia hypothesis, right? Where the Gaia hypothesis in in fiction is describing how Earth is the mother and is mm-hmm. always is alive in itself and has taken mm-hmm. care of its its young. In other mm-hmm. words, the life that's on there. But Medea uh, was a, a mythological woman who killed her children uh, out of spite uh, because yeah. her yeah because her husband was unfaithful and, and uh, mm. turned out to be a real jerk and so that that's a sort of a painful directions and, and so some of the folks saying well it's the earth is actually out to kill us uh, given well, the chance it would be fine without us for us or against us I think it's yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a system that we have to work with because. Uh, what, what do you think, Franklin? <laughs> you, you, well, you know, a... I, I think that I don't think of the human race as that bad. I mean, I think we, we, oh. we have a few bad apples, but for the most part, you know, people are, 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 are nice, are, are good. Uh, we, but we That's do good. have to have, you know, resources to, to, to live happy. And we cannot be miniaturized. We cannot be. Um, you know, it is, we are what we are and we consume energy and we have waste. And so we have to have a way to, 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 to expand um, our presence in the universe uh, beyond Earth and, and you know, to, to have other places that we can thrive in, that we can grow in and not have all of our eggs in this one basket. Stephen Hawking said a similar thing like this back uh, when he was still alive, right? People are asking him about space travel, and it really is an insurance policy for humans. Absolutely. Being, have, have being able to leave. And, and that, that kind of story has been, that's been around a lot of fictional stuff, too, as well, yeah. right? Um, civilizations or, or nations or, or, or species that uh, could not survive because they couldn't get off their planet, right? That's right. Exactly. And, and, 
and when we, we understand the, the environment enough and we understand the world enough that we know that we, if we don't do something, we are doomed. Um, and at, at some point, it'll be too late for us to do anything. Um, wow. You know, that to me is a, is a real crime. You know, we have to, we cannot let that happen. There, there is actually a, a Star Trek episode that talks no. about that, Star Trek The Next Generation. You know, know that, you know, about the you know what I'm talking about? It's the inner light, right? The inner light. Um, yeah, I, I, I was uh, very impacted by that one. And it's just really the fact that at the end, you know, they, 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 they are, they're a happy civilization, but they never really bothered to learn how to fly in space until yeah. they discovered that their planet was doomed. And, and the last thing they can do is launch a little, a little rocket with a little probe, which basically had their whole history in a in a in a tiny little capsule yeah saying that you know we are no longer but we used to be and we used to live here and then wow you know that's all there is because our yeah. world our world disappeared that is so the inner light is one of star trek next generation's best episodes uh agreed by viewers and, and fans and, and critics alike and uh, those of you who haven't seen it yet, go see it sometimes. Very lovely. I, I was impacted by that episode in a completely different way, in, in a storytelling way. Uh, and Miranda, you'd probably appreciate that, right? Uh, the the music and and the family and things like that. Um, uh, have uh, you seen this, Miranda? You've seen this episode? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I think that this is such an interesting um, topic. And there's so, so much of what Franklin has said. I completely um, agree and have you know, kind of started to wrestle with myself, just like many people my age, um, since this is kind of something we're inheriting in many ways. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one way that we can start to think about this in a, in a maybe a more impactful way, something that I think really needs to spread to everyone on earth is starting to think about ourselves as uh, a one, a one, a one people, you know, uh, I think we are so individualized. We think about ourselves and how things impact us immediately. Um, and I think that's exactly what happens with this overview effect that astronauts get to experience and why so many of them from different backgrounds, from different places, um, have come back with the same sense of urgency and desire to uh, help in whatever way they can uh, to both preserve and protect the planet we have, but also kind of move forward and think about how we're going to survive as a species. Um, and I think that starts with changing our perspective from being so individualistic to more, you know, community, whole, global perspective of us all being on one planet. Franklin said this story to me once, um, you know, and this is a whole other thing that we could get into. I'm sure you guys would love, <laughs> yeah, yeah. love to talk to him about it. But uh, he was on a very important mission, which was the first mission between U.S. astronauts and Russian cosmonauts, wow. um, and it was a huge um, political tension between the two. Um, yeah, and he, as he, as the kind of random Costa Rican immigrant who became an astronaut, yeah. um, was kind of just witnessing this clash between you know the U.S. and 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 Russia and uh, through the cosmonaut and astronauts relations and how at first it was very tense and they didn't get along. And as the, as the program uh, continued and they ended up flying together, 
there's this really powerful message he's, he told me once of like everyone was looking out the window and pointing to their specific place on earth. Like that's where I'm from. That's my home. Wow. You know, and then as they moved further away, they realized they were all pointing to the same place. Oh, wow. And it changed their, and now the, those people are, you know, lifelong friends. And um, it's just, uh, I think a lot of people ask me, why should we spend money going to space when we have so many problems on earth? That's a very common, you know, question yeah, we get. You hear yeah. that. It's because of that exactly, because we need a new perspective mm. um, in order to tackle the problems that are coming. It is I indeed think. going out to space that we will be able to solve our problems on the ground, in part because then we'll all be united in a common cause yeah. that we otherwise wouldn't be able to see. Amazing. I love that. That's so cool. Okay. Um, I want to definitely talk more about, I, I want to know how Vasimir is going to change our world, all its case uses, all the things that will be things that we could not imagine doing now with just the current rockets. Uh, tell me about these things. Franklin, what, what do you say? Give me an example of well, something start, start or some things. Think of it. Think of the trucking business, you know, um, that came about after World War II um, because of the proliferation of diesel engines on, 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 on trucks. I mean, you, you, don't, see, uh, you don't see trucks uh, running on gasoline engines. Right. You don't see, you, don't see, uh, you know, motorcycles and, and lawnmowers running on diesel. Because because the, the the diesel engine is 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 a, an engine which is specifically designed for high power uh, jobs for for jobs that require quite a bit of muscle, mm. and that um, we don't have that in space. We do have something which we, we think is very muscular, which is the big mega rocket, you know, chemical rocket. But these these rockets are like cannons, you know, like. Um, we say often as in the astronaut corps that um, in space we, we still travel on cannonballs. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. You, you, to go to the moon, you know, you fire a cannon and then you go on the cannonball and then you get to the moon and then you fire another cannon and that stops you and makes you go around and get into orbit. And then if you want to come back to the Earth, you have to fire another cannon and so on. We, we, we um, you know, cannons are very powerful, but they don't, they, they only do it for a very short amount of time. What we mm. want is power over longer periods of time. Ah. And we never did, we were never able to have um, long duration firings of electric rockets because they are too feeble, mm. too um, low power. Yeah. And so we are now bringing together those two ingredients, you know, power and, and, and efficiency, the, the fuel efficiency of an, of an electric rocket. What that does is that it changes the, the whole economics of moving things in space, you know, from point A to point B, enables you to have a sustainable transportation, you, you know, infrastructure to supply the moon, to supply Wow. You know, all the infrastructure that we need to, to make humans really, truly be, you know, uh, space, space bound, right? So that's amazing. So, so we're talking like uh, space fuel trucks, space 
freight trucks, space car carrying trucks, space garbage trucks. I mean, space like truck trucks, right? Yeah. yeah. How, I mean, how many trucks do you see on the freeway? Yeah. I mean, this, these are the vehicles that maintain our civilization wow. you know, running, keep our supermarkets stocked and, and bring us all the goods and, you know, from the factory to our homes and so on. Uh, and, and then, and then of course, now you, you now have created a, an enclave, say on the moon that is sustainable economics. So now you have the, the essentially the, the business entrepreneurship and the, and the, you know, the, the profit motive, which is really what enables humans to really sustain activities in space. Wow. You know, if, if you start, if you rely on, on, on public funding, you know, governments, you're going to have a space program, which is, you know, rather, rather weak. Uh, and mm. it's, it's all going to be driven by, by tax dollars. Right. You really, yeah. really want a space economy that it that has the the real profit motive is is there. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining the transition between like when people first started sailing across the ocean in these voyages of exploration to when they started having galleons, you know, plying trade and exactly. across from place to place. Exactly. Or yeah. the building, or the building of the railroads for you know to the to, to right. the way. Which yeah. enabled a service economy to go around it, and you know all kinds of businesses, and and that just that that just gets the juices flowing of wow. humans are very entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, and you want to get the entire entire world behind this. You so that's what Vasimir. Yes, yeah, that's okay. great. So that's what Vasimir is. Vasimir yeah, is but, is the the trucking industry yeah. of the future. That's, just just you know one. Yeah, well, there. You know what? There was actually a Marvel comic book series in the 1980s called US One, and it was the story of a trucker that was being recruited by people out uh, in space, aliens, and so forth, with vast science technology and everything like that. But they were recruiting him to be a trucker because actually, <laughs> you have to ship things from one place to another in the world. So they turned his truck into a, a spacefaring truck, and he became a trucker. That's hilarious. Which, which I think is great, but this is this makes yeah. Well, you're already firing my imagination now. I mean, so yeah, just that, like that, that's that's that is just step one. Then now you're now you're on the moon. You you got you got that settled. Now you want to go to Mars. Yeah. So the, tra the, the the transition to Mars now takes about eight months. Right. You know, humans, and, and again, you, you still go on cannonballs. Uh, and, you know, if, right. you, yeah. if, you, if you fire that cannon, you go to Mars. And then after you fire the cannon and say somebody gets sick or something happens, you got a, some kind of a problem, you are committed. You're going to go to Mars whether you like it or not. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's true. So, yeah. So, but here's the option that we have is that now you have a rocket that is going to be firing continuously all the way to Mars. It is going to fire to, to speed you up all the way to halfway to Mars. And then at the halfway point, you're going to turn around and fire backwards so that you can slow down because otherwise you get going too fast and, and, and you, yeah. you, you'll miss the planet. So, <laughs> Fair. You do that. so, so you want to slow down. And, but the point being is that you can do this, this, this transits in, in maybe two months, uh, even, wow. even, even wow. less. 
but we need to do homework that we haven't done. Mm -hmm. that is, you, you know, the, the space program got uh, to the moon and, and all the technology of propulsion kind of stood still. Yeah. And, and, and so true, we true. need to move into nuclear electric systems. Um, wow. Nuclear power so that we can have an electric rocket that runs on, on megawatts yeah. yeah, of electric power. And then you can do those kinds of missions. Wow. I, I can't wait. That sounds just amazing. Just fantastic. It really transforms everything. I'll, I'll just interject really quick because you guys, uh, I think, are kind of movie movie people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> The Martian, the movie The Martian with um, yes. Damon, that yeah. book, um, he, uh, the author... Uh, Andy Weir. Mm -hmm. Yep. He, made, he based the... Um, the technology for the rocket, uh, the engine that, that took them to Mars uh, and was able to turn around and go back, that's all the Vasmir. It was based wow. on our engine. That's yeah. awesome. Whoa. Yeah. So if you have a book, you can go to the end, at least in some copies, he has like the, uh, the, all the research he did about the Vasmir engine. And, and, I'll have to check wow. my copy later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. more. Oh, that's great. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and that, that just sounds so nice. Not just, experimental and explorational, but also practical. I can't wait for a Vasimir engine powered uh, garbage truck to pick up all the space junk that's in lower Earth orbit. I think that'll be awesome. But I know that that's only the smallest thing that Vasimir can do. I mean, I want to go to Mars too. I want to be able to get there and come back. And, and uh, wow, I wish we had more time for it. Please, can, can we get both of you back, Miranda and Franklin, for some future conversation. Update us on the Vasmir rocket. Tell us when you get to megawatts and, and give us more and more information. Uh, please come back. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. How can we get in touch with you? Uh, can we find you on social media? Do you have a web presence? Anything? Tell, tell us how we can find you. Yeah. The best way to, to find us is uh, the website, www.adastrorocket.com. Uh, and uh, otherwise, we do have some presence on social media. Feel free to follow us there. Um, and yeah, uh, just be okay. in touch. <laughs> can, can we visit you? Are, are you in Costa Rica? Because that'd make a great vacation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you can visit us in Costa Rica. Um, we do, uh, we have an office in Houston and in Costa Rica. Um, oh. Both offices do offer tours, but it's usually through larger educational organizations. But oh, okay. so if you can get a group of like classmates together to get it, you know, get it sponsored by your program, uh -huh. that's always really fun. I give the oh, tours in marvelous. Houston. And oh, also, really? We have an engineer who does like the really, who can answer all the really hard questions, but I, I get the first, <laughs> the first introduction. No. Yeah. Um, no, we want your stories. Miranda. <laughs> that's what we want. Wow. Um, Dr. Franklin Chang Diaz, Franklin. Miranda Chang, Miranda, thank you so much. Thank really, you. really pleasure. What a pleasure it has been to chat with you. And thank you for sharing all the cool stuff that you're doing and, and what we're going to be seeing from you guys not too long from now as we start uh, trucking through space. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank absolutely. You. Thank you. Pleasure. And Alan, thank you, as always, for being the awesome co-host. Much appreciated. You are welcome. It was all a good right. one. <laughs> and for all of you in the audience, thank you so much for being with us today. If you like what you see and hear, please support us on Patreon. And as always, thank you for being a part of the Lunarverse.